Hello and welcome to another Quarren stream. I am your host, Joe Magician, and today we have another special treat for you. In the last few weeks, we were looking at Ario Hota and Barristan Selmy, two characters that don't really get talked about much that much, don't get talked about that much in the fandom, but we're going to talk about a very different character, but one that equally does not get the recognition he deserves and has a very important part in the story so far and going forwards. That's right. I am talking about a direwolf. <laughs> I'm talking about Ghost, the best boy, the best boy in the Seven Kingdoms, the one you floof, the just the greatest direwolf there is. Um, yeah. Looks like the Weirwoods, seems to lead John around by the nose, uh, probably is smarter than John. Controversial statement. And to talk about it today is the one and only number one ghost fan the one that wants to free ghost um gray area how's it going gray hello <laughs> um i'm glad to be here i cannot think of a character that i would want to talk about more than <laughs> ghost i like at all love i love ghost um i do think he's so important to the story the direwolves in general are important to the story, but Ghost is a big one. Ghost has a lot of page time in A Song of Ice and Fire. I'm, I'm glad to be here. Thanks for having me. It's true. Ghost is, he's, he's like a secret main character. He's, John describes him as his other half, and I think that's pretty true. He, pre, he acts like that. Like they are the, um, the house in black and white with their coloring, basically, as a person. Ooh, ooh, ooh. Uh, before we get going, um, you guys are watching live on YouTube or uh, watching back. Uh, hit that like button. Um, you know, leave the comments, ask us questions, uh, subscribe, hit that bell button. If you're listening on, uh, let's see here, Podbean or iTunes or whatever, you know, review and do all the stuff. Um, it does really help with helping with uh, helping people find these those little likes. They don't seem like much, but they do end up mattering quite a bit, which surprising to me. But that's how it works. And of course, oh, Sasuke in the chat wants to know what my hat goals are. Greg, do you know I do this? No. What are these? The hat goals. So I have two silly hats. I have actually. Let me see if you can see it. On. I have the wizard hat, which is over here above my head on top of my. Um, Oma gang bottles, um, my Gandalf hat, and then I have a George R. R. Martin hat, one of his, you know, his like Greek sailor hat with a turtle pin on top of it. Oh yeah. So I know exactly what you're talking about. When the stream hits 150 likes, I put on the wizard hat. And when it hits 175, I put on the germ hat and wear it the rest of the time. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so what do we need to get to? 150? 150 likes is what we need to get to. No, what? Is the hundred, 175. Oh, 175 for the germ hat. Yeah, because we need the, we need that hat. We need that. <laughs> <laughs> it's got a big turtle pin on it. It looks like somebody's grandmother made it. It's, it's great. Well, let's get it. Let's get Slam to it. Slam that like button is what we're saying. And share. Share. Yeah. Do all the things. Um, oh, people are complimenting my haircut. Thank you. It was getting too long. It's the summer. Oh, yeah. You did get a haircut. It's no longer like long, floppy hair. It, I don't know. I had to get a cut. That's how it goes. Um, 
but aside from hat shenanigans and hair, uh, I have a quote here and, um, this one I think is pretty emblematic of who Ghost is as a character, how he's perceived and really how John thinks about him. Gray, take it away. Ghost sniffed at his carved stone likeness and tried a lick. John smiled. You're the one deserves an honor, he told the wolf. And suddenly he found himself remembering how he found him. That day in the late summer snow, they had been riding off with the other pups, but John had heard a noise and turned back. And there he was, white fur, almost invisible against the drifts. He was all alone, he thought, apart from the others in the litter. He was different, though they drove him out. Oh, poor ghost. (laughs) Oh, it's interesting that um that ned and john both come to the same conclusion that uh the weird one ghost was driven out from the rest of the pack even though um i don't know i I don't know if that's true or not but that's definitely how to perceive it especially when you're thinking about john and ned and the connections between them yeah i guess that kind of makes sense but even still it's he is strange he is different and he is special I think that's the better way to think about him rather than the different and driven out. He is unique. Yeah, he is. But I see like that kind of mirroring with Ghost and John, Mm -hmm. like John is kind of driven out because he's a bastard. So John is pushed to the wall in Mm -hmm. the north so he can be kind of forgotten about. And Ghost is, you know, pushed from his litter. Because he's not a bastard, but because he's different. He is different in many, many ways. Uh, I thought the first thing we would do is talk about, though, like, what actually is a dire wolf? Like, George has made this a major part of his story and then kind of doesn't really go into um, what makes them different other than that they are just kind of bigger. And a lot of people may not know that dire wolves were real animals. Um... Oh, super chat here from uh, Stephanie Brem. Uh, thank you very much for the dollar. Um, no message, but again, thank you. Appreciate the support. Uh, in re- in the real world, uh, dire wolves are an extent re- extinct relative of kind of the modern gray wolves, but they're about a quarter, twenty five percent bigger than their modern cousins. They could be up to three to four feet tall, more than one hundred fifty pounds, with giant heads and jaws. Um, and this is because they were alive during the Ice Age. They competed with saber-toothed tigers. Um, this is during an age of what's called megafauna, when everything was bigger. Like when they dig up moose, and um, this is also when mammoths were around. Everything was huge during these times, and the wolves compensated. They ended up with a much larger species, um, which kind of tells George, which is probably aware of that. So he's trying to tell you something about the North that. Um, the ice age sort of megafauna thing is the setting for this place um there are sort of similar animals like the aurochs that um they often talk about is essentially a huge bull that lived during um lived during the ice age i'm not sure if it's extinct yet but it was close um giant moose again the the mammoths that kind of thing and they are they unlikely to be domesticated like we see with the dire wolves today they're much more towards um very wild versions rather than the canines we know 
that were tamed and coexisted with people. So they would be much more untrusting. They would be unafraid of people be willing to kill them, which we see the die rolls are totally okay with that and fiercely independent. Um, so that kind of tells you at least some background about how impressive it's supposed to be that the Stark children, each of them has a dire wolf and also that they're able to tame them. But they're also supposed to be like creatures out of the past, creatures of legend that aren't supposed to live anymore. And I think there's some quote about how they haven't been around for like 200 years, right, Greg? Yeah, um, there is. But I wanted to, do you think the dire wolves from our history were big enough to ride? No, they were, um, they're just kind of like really large wolves. <laughs> uh, so maybe like, uh, a Great Dane. Um, yeah, something like that. Um, not, not maybe if you were very small, you could ride them, but you never would want to because they were wild and angry and, you know, pack hunters and nowhere near the domesticated ones we have now. Yeah. A lot of the, a song of ice and fire art depicts them as huge they are they are big but uh george kind of inflates them a little bit um he makes them seem like they are like bear-sized and not not quite but still very large by modern standards they would stand out which is what happens when the with the direwolves when they grow bigger people look at them and say like okay so that's not a normal dog there's something off about them yeah um I, you could maybe if you were a child of the forest, you could ride one. <laughs> I've just I'm trying to envision Rob riding Greywind. Yeah, no, that that would never happen, especially not Rob, who's pretty big and stocky and uh, muscular. I don't think there's any chance he could ride him. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> this is funny. Oh, oh, fan art, and also the depictions from the phrase. The phrase say that like he rode the the dire wolf into battle and then he ripped off heads. Yeah, no, not happening. Rickon yeah. definitely could though. Oh, for sure, three-year-old. Yeah, he could right. ride. He could ride Shaggy Dog, but not a not an adult. Um. So, with that, with looking at a bit of the background, let's talk about how they came into a song of ice and fire. And it's actually the first scene that George came up with. Um, he was writing his lost sci-fi story, Avalon, the book that will never be published. Well one book that will never be published <clears throat> anyway um and he had this idea in his head of a young boy finding this finding some wolves among the snow as sort of like a moment of destiny something to start a story off from and that's what we get in a brand one and that's that should tell you a lot about how george thinks about the dire wolves in their place in a song of ice and fire it's that they are integral to the beginning of the story they he imagined them first. That's pretty wild. Yeah, it is. I wonder if any of that inspiration came from Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn because in Memory, Sorrow, and Thorn there is a a wolf named Quintaqua. Um, and it his it's this guy Binabox. Mm-hmm. Um, friend, companion, they're like a duo, and he actually Binabok actually rides the wolf. Oh, so I wonder if that because he say he said that memories are and thorn. Yeah, know, definitely one of his big inspirations. So I wonder if he just you know wanted to expand on that, and then we know that he likes wolves anyway. Mm -hmm. 
like he does a lot of charity work with wolves and he has a wolf sanctuary that he supports and all of that. So, I mean, I, I think it's very interesting. Like all of that aside, I think it's very interesting that he started with that vision. And I think that kind of speaks to like how important they are to the story. Mm -hmm. Especially your brain and the Starks. Yeah. You should, oh, oh, for sure. You should think of them as one in the same. They are not separate. <laughs> yeah, I think like the dire wolves are just as important to the Starks as the dragons are to the Targaryens. Definitely. Yeah, definitely. Um, very similar relationship. Oh, we got a super chat here. Uh, sorry, from Purple Lord Leo um, Anansi. Oh, that. Oh, wait, I'm going to. I think I got that right. Anansi. That's from. Um, American Gods, I think. I always pronounce that wrong in my head. When I heard it on TV, I was like, oh, that's how that works. I always have pro problems with it, <laughs> pronunciations. Uh, they gave a uh, $7.53. Thank you very much. And they had a message. John heard Ghost, except Ghost has no voice and is surely influenced by Bloodraven. When you get to it, both of you are awesome theorists. Thank you very much. Uh, appreciate the message. We're definitely going to get to that part in a little bit. Uh, the fact how John heard ghost or what even happened there. Um, and the idea that he's the quiet wolf, the one who never howls. Um, so when we go back to the actual scene, it's John and Rob who go ahead of the rest of the group and find the litter of the dire wolf puppies. They find five of them, one for each of the five of the Stark children. Um, Ned actually wants to kill them. He thinks they won't survive, so he's like, eh, whatever. Um, actually, it's probably not how Ned would talk. But he's like, they won't survive without their mother. Nobody can take care of them. We'll just kill these puppies as a mercy. And it's John who argues instead, my lord, he says, there's five direwolves. Your sigil, he doesn't say my sigil, your sigil is the direwolf, so we should keep them. These are gifts. These are like divine gifts, essentially. Very astute by John to make that connection and also to convince Ned to let what is almost certainly a gift made from Bloodraven or Bran to stick around. Yeah. Um, <laughs> a gift from Bran. How? You never know. Crazy time travel <laughs> shit. Time <you> know? <laughs> travel? Time travel. Maybe. I find it I find it interesting that they want to kill the dire wolf wolves as a mercy. Mm -hmm. And then a few chapters, well, a couple chapters later, somebody's trying to kill Bran mm -hmm. the dire wolf as a mercy. Yeah. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> you can also I don't want to go on a tangent about that, but yeah. No, it, it's a good tangent because um, this is something I talked about, I think, at last year's Con of Thrones, where it's like trying to or two years ago. Yeah, two years ago, try and imagine what happens to the Starks if they don't have their wolves. Pretty much all of them are dead. <laughs> yeah, they they literally protect them. John's kind of a dummy that should have died a lot of times, except Ghost stops him. Uh, like you said, Summer protects Bran. Um, Nymeria hasn't really. Well, okay. Yeah, so, she saved she saved Arya from Joffrey. Yeah. And uh Lady, unfortunately that one that one sucked, but you know. You have to imagine that Shaggy Dog is also protecting Rickon in the wilds, so Yeah, and Greywind. Greywind too. Greywind was a massive for Rob. A huge uh helped him win the battle. He protected him. He bit off uh the great John's fingers. 
Um, if he had listened to Grey Wind when Grey Wind got to the twins, mm-hmm. and like Grey Wind was flipping out, like this is yeah, like this he's guy. trying. <laughs> so yeah, they, it's very important. Oh, I got another super chat. I uh, hear from Sir Lo, uh, Sir Roland D Stark. Do you think uh, Ghost says John's? best intentions in mind or is he just leading on a path for something else love ghost anyway um this is something i that uh really comes up with ghost that is an interesting question how much is he being controlled by let's say blood raven or maybe brand from the future or how much is he doing his own thing is this going by instinct or is he be given plans and there's a, a dream we'll talk about later where a moon um john's in a wolf dream and the moon AKA Mormon's Raven is trying to wake him up and ghost reacts super pissed at it, which kind of implies that maybe ghost is aware that blood Raven is messing with him and doesn't like it. Yeah. And I know, um, on the obsidian nights podcast that we did about brand, mm-hmm. we had got those vibes from yeah. summer as well. Right. Like Very summer much so. was trying to warn brand. So I don't think that ghost is on is being controlled by anyone. No, I don't think so either. I think, um, I think they try, I think they have their own thing. They're trying to do that is separate from whatever blood Raven's trying to do with the kids. Um, they seem to often go contrary to what you would think blood Raven would want. Yeah, totally agree. Um, okay. So let's go back. Oh, we're at a hundred at hundred likes 50 to go. You guys 50 and I wear a silly hat. Or I wear my wizard hat, which is above my head. Um, so, Bran makes this really interesting point. Uh, we talked about this during Obsidian Nights, where sometimes it seems like Bran is older than he should be, and he makes this really astute point that he realizes that John is arguing to give up a puppy for himself so that they will all live. Because there's only five, there's six Stark kids, and he's like, um, I would rather not have a puppy if it means they all live. And it seems like John is almost rewarded for that in a destiny way, because as he's riding away, John unexpectedly turns around claiming he hears something. Nobody else hears anything. Um, But John turns right around on the bridge on their horses, goes directly to this one spot and picks up Ghost and he finds him. Ghost the albino with his eyes open and separate from his siblings. That's a really weird moment. Do you think... I just thought about this right now when you said that. Do you think that with, you know, John saying, as I, I'll give this up so all of these can live, mm-hmm. do you think that's indicative of maybe his his future? Like, I'll give up this crown so that all of you can live and eventually I'll end up with Ghost? I think that, yeah, I think definitely, I think that's establishing very early on that John um, will give up. He could take this birthright kind of thing. He is a Stark by blood. He doesn't have to exclude himself, but he does for everyone else. Yeah, and I, I think you're definitely right on with that. I think that's a great point. But it is like a weird, a weird moment. Mm. And then the... Not to get like too far ahead, but oh. the way that he finds him is really interesting. So strange because we're watching Brand's POV while this is happening. And um, yeah, I got the quote here. I pulled it just because it's I actually wrote a whole post about this for Reddit years ago. I called it Deus Ex Lupo. And I looked at this moment and examined it and then 
tried to figure out what exactly was happening. So um, here's the quote. It says, halfway across the bridge, John pulled up suddenly. What is it, John? Their Lord Father asks. Can't you hear it? Bran could hear the wind in the trees. Interesting note there. The clatter of the hooves on the ironwood planks, the whimpering of his hungry pup. But John was listening to something else. There, John said. He swung his horse around and galloped back across the bridge. They watched him dismount where the direwolf lay dead in the snow, watched him kneel. A moment later, he was riding back to them smiling. He must have crawled away from the others, John said. How did he do that? What did John hear? <laughs> yeah. I know there's been a lot of people that think that John, like it was the beginning of a work bond. Like oh. ghosts literally mind inceptioned him. And that's and that's how he heard him. <laughs> I think that's I, that's one of the uh, this, uh, that's the conclusion I came through in my post as well, where I basically said, like, well, we know he's a warg. We know Ghost is seemingly maybe a skin changer himself. It would make sense if when they met each other that maybe they connected. But the other uh, possibility is that um, maybe the 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 line about how Bran could hear the wind in the trees we know later on george establishes that very often when skin when uh, green seers are involving themselves in a scene very often they're interpreted as you could hear them as like a noise on the wind the rustling among trees so that's that's definitely another possibility that maybe like john was going to leave ghost behind and blood raven watching at the time said oh wait hey hey john John, you for, you forgot one. <laughs> Go back, turn around, or something like that. But whatever it is, it's um, it's very strange, especially because um, John later reflects on this exact moment, and to his mind, he heard basically a loud noise, and that's how he knew exactly where Ghost was. But nobody else heard it. Right, and Ghost doesn't make noises, which is why his name is Ghost. Yeah, it, se it seems to be, um, it's interesting that when George was, talks about this chapter, he talks about it in terms of, he imagined it as Bran and his wolf, but that one's pretty standard. You know, John and Rob go find wolves and they just sort of hand one to Bran, but it's John who has the moment of destiny, really. Oh, for sure. Mm. Because John, like there's so much going on, like you said, the John has to omit himself for the count to come up right mm -hmm. and Ned Stark to like soften and let them keep these puppies. And then his appears and no one hears it. Of course, it's like a and, and we already know, like it's a magical prophetic scene because we have the direwolf being killed by a stag. Yeah, that one. <laughs> Leaving behind puppies. That one's pretty on the nose, George, for what's about to happen in a Game of Thrones. <laughs> pretty, uh, pr pretty like he like he drew it out for us on a dry erase board. That that's a yeah. That, I think that's a pretty astute observation. The um, obviously the stag being Baratheon, the dead dire wolf being Ned and Cat, um, and then the rest of the dire wolf pups having to live on their own with John left on his own, but ending up being the one with its eyes open um he does like doing that stuff he does like uh gardening and he i am sure when he was in, when he was initially writing this it was supposed to be a trilogy 
and it was supposed to be relatively quick. So you can imagine that this first chapter held large hints for where he was going. Yeah, I mean, if you think about it, like the the brand one, mm-hmm. it, the direwolves in the snow is one of my favorite chapters. But if you like look at the whole story, the direwolves are such a big part of the Stark children's journeys. Like even Rob and Greywind is obvious. They're together all the time. John mm-hmm. and, and Ghost is obvious. They're together all the time. But even like Nymeria and Arya, they're, you you wouldn't think that, that their stories are together mm-hmm. because they're so far apart. Yeah, they're on different continents, but from a different continent, Arya can warg Nymeria, and Nymeria is basically responsible for Lady Stoneheart. That's true. They're the they're the big pieces of the story. They're they're I I, I don't want to talk about the show, but I they're <laughs> you not don't say gray. Like, they're not just hockey books. Like they're not just cool accessories. They are just as important as Drogon, Viserion, Rhaegal. They're they're so important to the Stark stories. I I would say that uh, Ghost and John are closer than maybe Danny and the other two dragons. Like definitely, like Danny like and Drogon. It there there is definitely a connection between the two of them, but um, John's connection to Ghost is also beyond emotional it's so magical and he feels ghosts and he's inside his mind all the time whatever's going on with danny's a little bit more disconnected it's not quite the uh the warg bond you know yeah i will say like with the drogon though like she has the the dreams of him True. before he's born yeah and he has like the red eyes like ghost has the red eyes mm-hmm. there's a lot that parallels between the two but yeah john um ghost is a huge part of john yeah, giant, giant part. And um, one part I wanted to talk about, especially with John, is how that in John's perception, Ghost is almost always a symbol of the Weirwoods, a symbol of House Stark, a symbol of his family and his duty and faith. Like he has this white coloring with the red eyes. Again, you know, that's very obviously like the white bark of the Weirwoods with their red bleeding eyes. Also that they're always silent and they're always watching. Okay. You can see why John makes that connection, but as a storytelling element, it's whenever ghost shows up, John almost always goes like, Oh yeah, I got to remember that old God stuff. I got to remember Ned. I got to remember my duty to my house. And it's it's so on the nose sometimes and it's so impactful that you have to wonder is ghost doing it on purpose <laughs> because he <laughs> he shows up at these moments of great and cruel conflict and just kind of puts his red eyes on john he's like oh yeah i guess i can't do that i mean it could be it could be totally like um ghost being kind of a spirit guide for john but i did want to say one more thing about the coloring of ghost mm-hmm. like um He's definitely the color of the weirwoods, but if John was to be king in the north, per Rob's letter, Mm -hmm. John's sigil would actually be the reversed direwolf. So it would be a white direwolf on a gray field. Mm. So he like so he goes to the total embodiment of basically like the bastard John. Yeah, that's true. 
a John Snow. The colors are also inverted too. John wears all black and he has those cold uh, gray eyes of the Starks. They, they, they work together really well. Really well. It's like uh, when you look back at Ned and he, he's in that scene where Cat finds him, he's cleaning his sword beneath the weirwood, like that's basically John and uh, and Ghost, except he gets to take his weirwood with him wherever he goes. Oh, yeah, <laughs> totally. Um, I don't want to get like too far because but one of the thing I, I definitely lean towards Ghost being like this spirit god like not a god but like the spirit guide mm-hmm. to john where ghost knows that john is important to like the world oh interesting like he knows and i say he knows because i feel like the children of the forest are connected to the dire wolves and the dire wolves are connected to nature and ghost is always showing up when john needs him every time <laughs> Every time, like, uh, imagine, and it's not like, oh, like someone's coming to 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 your house and your dog's gonna protect you. It's not like that. It's like he guides him, literally, guides him to things. Yeah, we. I made a list here of just a few of the times that um, Ghost essentially pats John on the head like a dummy and tries to get him to do the right thing. Uh, the first one. Well, um, there's not one on this list, but uh, you wanted to talk about Tyrion and John. but um, it's Ghost who alerts John that the Whites have reanimated in Castle Black. Not really sure how he knew that. It's also Ghost who attacks and tries to kill the Whites while John is struggling to figure out what to do, which then follows up with Mormont saying, Mormont's Raven saying burn, which is, of course, how John figures out how to kill the White of, um, I think it's Othor at that point. It's that's one of those moments where you can be like, ah, uh, how much was Blood Raven involved with this? Because Ghost seemed to know that the Whites were reanimated pretty quick and knew he needed to get John, and also he needed to just like stall this White until he figures out he needs to burn it. It's it's very odd that entire scene. Um, there's also the moment um, where John is ditching from the Night's Watch and he's trying to hide from his friends who are riding to find him and Ghost unexpectedly just makes a bunch of noise so they can find him. John calls Ghost a traitor, but Ghost just saved his life because as a um, deserter from the Night's Watch, if John got caught not by his friends, um, he would have been killed. So J- Ghost again, very intelligently in a very weird way, knowing knowing how to protect him from the de- um, from dying. And then, um, let's see here, what's another one? Oh, he kills the rabbits at Craspear's Keep to feed John when they're kind of hard up for food at that time. And it, this also indirectly is responsible for John meeting Gilly because um, he talks to her because of it and she, she's been trying to talk to Sam and all that stuff. But again, it's like this weird ghost pointing John in the right direction. And of course, the, the most famous one is the dragon glass. Uh, cash that that the whole sequence is weird but did you want to talk about uh Tyrion and john first i mean uh yeah Tyrion and john first sorry i was muted yeah <laughs> um <laughs> it so he does save him a lot of times and warn him a lot of times and we could go back because we can go back and talk about the the white and the in mm. the raven a little bit um but because because i have a point i want to make about that but sure. for Tyrion and john um 
I've just been doing the reread of the Tyrion and John's relationship and Ghost doesn't like Tyrion. He, there's something about him that he doesn't like. And we're looking at Ghost as this in tune person. Mm-hmm. So for Ghost, and then we all think, you know, Tyrion is this good person. Tyrion's going to be, he's the good Lannister, but ultimately Ghost on both occasions doesn't like him. And when Tyrion comes back from the wall, Grey Wind, Summer, and Shaggy don't like him either. Mm. So I wonder about, I mean, this is about Ghost, but that has made me question Tyrion, like Tyrion's endgame mm-hmm. when it comes to John and how Stark. This is one of those things that um, I wonder how George is going to use because this seems to be a relic of his initial um, outline. If you go back Mm -hmm. and read his pitch letter, he has Tyrion ending up as an unambiguous villain. And he also ends up in, um, I I hate this idea, but George wrote it. Um, He has John, Tyrion, and Arya in this weird love triangle situation um, where Tyrion is trying to use Arya and Sansa in order to take the north and it's it's really messed up and this is probably an echo of that where he was trying to set up for the reader early that even though you like Tyrion he's probably gonna, he's going to do some really messed up things going forward and you know that that whole plan has been long abandoned but that's probably what this foreshadowing was supposed to be initially yeah the I I mean I wonder if he will use it, though, like even since he's put it there, like how far removed from his first plan. I mean, yeah, we know he's real far, real far <laughs> from his first plan. But when it comes to like the end game for Tyrion or like when Tyrion comes to meet John again, because of course he has to go back to that. Mm hmm. So I just want to know, like, how like will ghost like Tyrion now? I was always surprised that ghosts like Melisandre. <laughs> oh, oh, we got a question about that from uh, Crowfoot's daughter. Um, but yeah, it's 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 definitely this is something. Actually, you've read Tough Voyaging too, right? No. Oh, you, you haven't. Told me about it. You told okay. me about it. Okay, in Tough Voyaging, George uses the same idea where Tough essentially clones psychic cats for himself, and he uses them as familiars or lie detectors, and Tough essentially watches what the cats do in order to figure out what the person's real intentions are. And it seems to be almost identical the way he's using the direwolves for the kids. So I was getting ready to say that totally put me in the mind of the sea Lord for some reason, the sea Lord, <laughs> the sea Lord. When there was like, uh, the cat, he had the oh, cat and he was like, tell yeah. me what's special about this cat. Yeah, definitely. And nothing was special. It probably it could have that could have been a, a reference George was making to his own past works. He loves the idea of psychic animal familiars, and that's basically what I think the role of the direwolves are supposed to be. You're supposed to understand that they are tuned into things that the characters are not, and it's like almost a plot device for him to nudge your perception in the correct way. Which also tells you that the the POV is wrong about what they're understanding, and that you should believe the direwolf most of the time. Yeah. Well, a hundred percent. Yeah. They, if I mean, if you go back and read it, they've always been right. Mm-hmm. Like a hundred percent. 
<laughs> because they're magical. And I, I feel like the clues to them being magical are in their eye coloring. And I know that's something we're going to talk about. Mm-hmm. Um, you said you want to talk, say something about the uh, the white attack. Yeah, the white attack. So I wonder, like, if Ghost started out, you know, as a creature of Blood Ravens. Mm. But then, you know, the the longer he was with John, the more he became John's creature and not Blood Ravens. Oh, that's interesting. So it'd be kind of like um, Littlefinger's thing where um, sometimes pawns have minds of their own. Yeah. That could that could definitely be true. He may have they may have been created or delivered by Blood Raven for one purpose, but I mean Ghost is very, very intelligent. He's got a personality. He loves John. Yeah, I think that could very well be true. That he, <laughs> that Blood Raven's trying to get him to do stuff and Ghost is like a angsty teenager telling him to go get bent. Right, because like he's working, it seems like based on because we we all believe that mormont's rape i'm not gonna say we all i'm gonna say i believe that mormont's raven is definitely being toyed with by blood raven it seems like it so he started out you know kind of working with that raven like let me keep this white uh, at bay until this raven tells john what to do mm-hmm. and then like later you were saying when he gets awoken from his dream by the raven ghost is pissed he's really upset (laughs) so by then the ghost is like you know what i'm tired of this tree man messing with my john snow (laughs) my bag my cutie yeah i think it could be something like that yeah 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 like the the quote i said with uh little finger in the ponds just because you make some uh some weird psychic wolves blood raven doesn't mean they're gonna do what you want at all and i mean the children of the forest i I think they might have learned that with the white walkers (laughs) oh yeah about that (laughs) about that about how about empowering some creatures with powers that are way beyond your control and just hoping that they're so grateful they never use them away you don't want (sighs) i mean that's kind of the story right yeah kind of oh uh just wanted to point out we're only 10 likes away from me putting on a wizard hat which is very exciting um i think one of the moments the biggest moment the strangest one is definitely though the dragon glass cache and it's so strange because it's not just that okay so if you guys don't remember john's at the fist of the first men and ghost runs up to john and tries to get him to follow him and he's acting extremely strange by john's perception he's like i don't know he almost seems dangerous he seems off and ghost leads him on this chase through the woods to what looks like a grave almost john um ends up going like okay well Ghost thinks this is important, so I guess I'm going to dig it up. And inside of it is a Night's Watch cloak with dragon glass uh, daggers or, an ar- or arrowheads. I forget which one. And then also a cracked old horn. That cracked old horn is very interesting. But what's very curious about this is George goes to great lengths to inform you that there's no real reason that Ghost should have found this. And it's unclear why he's doing this. I have the quote here. And um, he says, there is no smell, no sign of grave worms. Ghost backed off and sat on his haunches watching. 
And then earlier it was, he found ghosts lapping from the stream. Ghost he called to me. Now, when the direwolf raised his head, his eyes glowed red and baleful and water streamed down from his jaws like slaver, which essentially means like, um, uh, like, uh, what's the right word? It's like, um, spit. Yeah, kind of juicy that, spit. <laughs> Sorry. You know, like his mouth is watering. And then, he, and then John goes on to say there was something fierce and terrible about him in that instant. And then he was off bounding past John racing through the trees. Ghost, no stay, he shouted, but the wolf paid no heed. The lean white shape was swallowed by the dark and John only had two choices to climb the hill again alone or to follow. And John follows him. So ghost isn't listening. He's acting out of character. He's his, um, he doesn't, he barely recognizes ghost and then ghost leads him to this random package buried in the ground that seems to only have been could only be a gift from the children so this is one of those moments where it's like is blood raven manipulating ghost i would say this is maybe the exact one where this happens because yeah, this, it's so weird this might have been where ghost revolted and went on boycott from blood raven like I said I would do this, but you're taking over my body now, so <laughs> not having it. No, but yeah, I mean, he's totally, and this is like the one time where it seems that he's definitely not Ghost. Yeah. And it doesn't really make sense why Ghost showed him this. Like, we even knew where to find it. know it was there. Yeah. It, it has yeah. to be, it has to be Blood Raven. This one has to be him. Especially because they're beyond the wall. And his eyes glowed red. Mm, glowed red. Blood oh, Raven has red eyes. That's true. Uh, people in the chat are correcting me. Salivating. That's the right word. He was salivating. Which is weird. Ghost almost never acts like that. Yeah, and he listens. He's obedient. As, like, he listens. He listens to John all the time. In fact, he listens so much. I've in the, in the past questioned if he understands the common language because it seems like he does. And in this time, he's like, screw you, John. I have to bring you to this place. Why is that ghost? Well, probably because it's a gift from Bloodraven. Uh, some people think the horn's the horn of winter. Um, it would be, it'd be, it's so out of the blue. There's no way that this is just ghost. And if we compare that, like we were talking about with his wolf dream later, where he's mad at Bloodraven, it seems like maybe it's because he warged into ghost and forced him to did this to do this and he's really pissed about it yeah and it's like if you look at it at what what follows this at the fist mm -hmm. where like so did john did um john blow in that horn that horn yep and not getting he didn't get it he didn't hear any sound come out of it but was there a sound that came out of it that the white walkers heard mm. And then they had the dragon glass on hand. Sam did. Um, so, yeah, I mean. <laughs> That's something I've wondered about before. People think the horn of winter, Sam has it now. If he blows it or if we if it's blown correctly, it'll bring down the wall. But I like you, I've wondered if um, it's almost like a um, well, you know, like a dog, like a dog whistle. whistle. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like maybe something only um green seers can hear or maybe something the white walkers can hear or the children or something like that it's very interesting that he found it because i don't i don't know why would blood raven want him to have that horn 
It's it's curious. It's like, did he know that his time is up and he was trying to smuggle it south so the White Walkers couldn't get to it? Because he also gives him the, the dragon glass, which helps you kill others. So it seems to be, I'm giving you this horn and I'm also giving you the ability to kill White Walkers very easily. So those two have to be linked, right? Yeah, 100%. He wants them not to get this and he's giving you the tools to make sure they don't. I mean, yeah. <laughs> I mean that that is what it is. That is what it is. That is what it is. And that's what happens. That he gets that, and then at the fist, uh, White Walkers come, and Sam Samwell is able to kill one. It's it's these daggers, right, that allows Sam to escape. Yeah. It's the reason he's Sam the Slayer. It's because of this package and because of Ghost. So it makes you also wonder uh, how important is Sam. Very important. Sam the Slayer, the Slayer of Lies. <laughs> love Sam. I love Sam. Um, so, uh, let's see here. Oh, only four away. Four more likes, you guys. 197 of you watching. I know some of you could slam that like button. Um, so, I wanted to go now into the wolf dreams. And these are so strange in the first one i again this is another thing i wrote a whole post on because understanding what's happening in this wolf dream is extremely difficult to parse because um so this happens while john is uh wolf dreaming in ghost and it opens up and a ghost is in this large empty forest and he's looking around for his pack mates for some reason ghost thinks he's going to find his pack mates in this large empty wood not really sure why we'll get to that in a little bit but then he turns around and ghost john sees a weirwood growing from the stone with brand's face we also you can go back to uh, brand's pov and remember that while he's in the crypts he sees john and ghost so this seems to be the other side of that conversation they talk john realize john ghost ghost john whatever realizes it's bran that he's becoming a green seer and then the scene changes and all of a sudden ghost is up on this cliff overlooking a wildling camp what do you make of this greg i mean it's prophetic it's a prophetic dream i i don't know like so wolf dreams kind of confuse me a little bit mm -hmm. because you don't you never know when they're warging or when they're actually dreaming. I feel like the lines are kind of blurred a little bit mm -hmm. when it comes to that. But I don't know the brand, the uh, the tree with brand space dream has always freaked me out mm -hmm. because doesn't the tree touch John? Yeah, which means it's it's. That part is in a green dream. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, we hit 160 likes, so I have to put on my uh, my magician hat. Go ahead, Gray. I'll be right back. Okay. <laughs> so, yeah. John's weirwood dreams. Uh, they're John's ghost dreams. So the tree, like, touches him, and it makes it feel like it's not actually, like, just some regular dream. Like, it's not just a wolf dream where they're, like, that Arya has where well, we know when Arya's wolf dreaming, she's actually warging sometimes. And we know that, I, I don't know, I think of a dream more as like what Sansa has with Lady. 
mm-hmm. that one time where they're like running through the forest. But this is different. I, yeah, this is way more magical. And it reminds me a lot more of like Daenerys's dreams with Drogon, like how they're prophetic. Um, yeah, it, it's the fact that Ghost is actually on a cliff while this all happens tells you that this is sort of similar to a green dream, that this is that the forest is non-physical, that for some reason, Ghost and Bran both have access to this other like dream dimension thing where they can see each other, a place that Ghost thinks his siblings should be in too. That's what he's looking for. He's howling for them. So this sort of establishes that Ghost maybe has green seer powers himself because he's able to connect with Bran, something we've really only seen before with uh with Blood Raven as the Three-Eyed Raven touching Bran in his dreams. Well, do you think that 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 could be mean that John is a green seer or have that ability? I don't I think it's Ghost because it's Ghost who's leading John around and it's him that is looking through this forest, not looking for John's siblings, he's looking for the dire wolves. It seems to be like this weird like otherworldly backdoor where the when we actually see this later in the other wolf dreams that the the direwolves are connected in a way that is different from the from the Starks. They can see each other. They can see each, through each other's eyes, and that seems to be where Bran somehow connected to ghosts through. It's very it's very odd. But doesn't Bran say that though? Like, doesn't Bran remember this conversation? Yes, he does. He was in the uh, the crypts while this was happening. Yeah, that's super strange <laughs> this uh, is, was that the opening of his third eye yes this is while this was happening ghost and john are seeing bran become a green seer that's what that means so, so they're accessing like this this secondary dream plane this weirwood network whatever it is ghost seems to be able to enter it on his own juicy very juicy i should probably turn this into a full video but i haven't i haven't for a while you probably should i probably will um and then the other part of it is that ghost instantly snaps back and we see that he's up above the cliff of the wildling camp which is where he actually is and this is where um he's been scouting ahead for john uh because this is um during the the trip through the um what is it the frost fangs yeah and then it's this is also pretty close to when he gets attacked by Oral's eagle. So there's a lot of weird skin changing stuff that's going on. It's almost like. Um, like I was talking about earlier, where it seems like Ghost is special and magical and intelligent. I don't think it's John doing this. I think it's Ghost. <laughs> I think that's interesting. I've never thought about it that way. Like, I always thought it was like John's subconscious, like his subconscious in ghosts and the, the those two working together so i find it very interesting that you feel like it's ghosts acting on his own accord mm-hmm. to which, lead him which we know he does the rest of his actions tell you that he is an intelligent willful creature um that there's some there is something magical about him he was born with his eyes open he is the coloring of a green seer would it really be that strange if he was no <laughs> No, <laughs> nothing is strange in the north. No, places places weird as hell. <laughs> like what? We have atta- eagles that attack. We have a guy that works polar bears and cats. And uh, 
I'm talking about Vermeer. Vermeer, that weirdo. <laughs> like, we have all of these weird, you know, I don't want to say weird, but like we have all these different. Weird wood. Yeah, we have, <laughs> weird wood. We have all these different like. Uh, I would just say that the North is a magical place. Very so. high magic. Like this is high fantasy stuff. Yeah. Definitely. So no, I don't think it's like crazy. <laughs> yeah. It um, yeah. Oh, um, we just we're at a two hundred and eleven viewers at the moment. Thank you guys for uh, spending your after your Saturday afternoon with us. We're gonna go for about another hour. Um. Oh, at one hundred seventy likes. Apparently, you guys don't want to see me in the wizard hat. You want to see me in the germ hat. Five more, and we're gonna do that. Um. And I wanted to now move on to the second wolf dream. Um. And this is the one I was talking about, where Ghost has the ability to see through his siblings' eyes. And I got the quote here. Um, well, this is this is while after John has become um, Lord Commander. This is in a dance with dragons. He's asleep and he's uh, essentially riding along with Ghost. And it says a wild rain lashed down upon his black brother as he tore at the flesh of an enormous goat, washing the blood from his side where the goat's long horn had raked him. In another place, his little sister lifted her head to sing to the moon and a hundred small gray cousins broke off their hunt to sing with her the hills were warmer where they were and full of food many a night his sister's pack gorged on the flesh of sheep and cows and horses the prey of men sometimes even on the flesh of man himself so that is ghost seeing through the eyes of shaggy dog and nymeria he knows where they are he is experiencing what they're experiencing that's very strange very strange very interesting but you know what it puts me in mind of like are the dire wolves are they children of the forest living second lives like you know they could be (laughs) that could totally be a thing because there has to be some kind of explanation for how ghosts can do all of these things and ghost and shaggy are the only ones that look different from their four siblings four siblings their other four siblings yeah the other ones look pretty normal yeah but they still have children of the forest coloring yes they do oh i'm sorry i i have to put on another hat gray that was fast uh, oh yep i'll be right back hat, <laughs> hat like goal achieved yeah second hat goal nymeria and shaggy dog are both in high magic areas i definitely agree i i think the riverlands is such a high magical place that people don't say all the time like people don't really relate the riverlands to being like this magical place but totally it is especially when it comes to like children of the forest magic because high heart was in the riverlands Mm -hmm. so i totally agree with that comment there we go we got it guys the girl super chat oh i did okay Oh, from uh, DM Collins, $10. Thank you very much. Do the books hint that Ghost has run into other characters or whites or others giants off screen during his hunts in the north? Or have any other characters warred into him or tried? We know Vermeer wants to claim him. He wants to take him from John. Uh, like we were talking about earlier with Bloodraven, the the whole fist of the first man encounter seems to be that Bloodraven was able to do it. Um but yeah, th- this is something that um, is undersold. The fact that Ghost essentially runs around the North like a secret agent. <laughs> yeah, he really does. And to the point about Bearmere trying to take Ghost, Bearmere says 
a life in in a dire wolf. I don't have the exact quote. I don't know if you have it, but oh, let me see. The, do you have the Faramir quote about being fit for a king? Hang on a second. Faramir ghost quote. Um. Not offhand, but it's essentially he looks at ghosts and he says that that dire wolf would be a second life worthy of a king. <laughs> yeah. And what does that put you in mind of? Well, I mean, obviously, John being a future king idea is definitely there. But I, I when I think about this quote, it's not that it, it is saying that ghosts would be worthy of a king which obviously reference to John, but it's also marking ghost as the super special one that he is incredible, that he is something else that he is Royal himself. Yeah. I get that from it too. And I also get, um, Vermeer, like, so when they say the lion is the king of the jungle, mm-hmm. So is the direwolf like the king of the north? And is that why the Starks took the direwolf of their for their sigil initially? I have I have a theory that the direwolf was a sigil they stole. Ooh. Um, because they were not skin changers at first. They went up against the warg king from uh Sea Dragon Point and they defeated him and then they took his daughters and wives and married them which you could maybe say that's where they got their warging ability yeah uh, and there's that whole what is that the war king right yeah yeah that i mean i totally think that's and then oh and then we have that girl in the um in the weirwood pool, the pregnant girl. Oh, yes. For a son to avenge her. So mm-hmm. she can totally tie into the war king, even though it doesn't seem to be that far back. No, that, that's that during. Is going. That's during. Um, the t- I think the timeline's been calculated out. That's probably from the She Wolves of Winterfell, the upcoming um, Dunkin' Egg store. Someone in the chat said Ghost is the 13th Lord Commander. Confirmed. Oh. Interesting. Oh, we got a super chat here um, from your last great night. I don't know if this was covered or not. Oh, by the way, thank you for the super chat. Appreciate it. Um, is ghost silent for a reason? Yes. What do you think, Gray? Why do you think ghost is silent? Um, I've never really thought about it. I just. I don't know. Mm. I'm stumped. I don't think I never thought about like why, like what is the reason that ghost is silent? It's um it is interesting that so I think in relation to John you have Ghost who is silent and you have Aemon who can't see. I don't know what that means, but there seem there's something there that um that he's being surrounded by these magical figures who are um ha- are disabled or restricted from normal um behavior in some way, which again makes which makes me think of like the Fisher King idea. Like, Aemon mm. could have been a king. Ghost has a lot of ideas that he is a weirwood king. Um, you know, the, the Fisher King is essentially, and it's an Arthurian legend about a character who, well, the most direct example is Bran. He has injured legs, but he's able to be highly magical in place of that, where it's like, the idea is the injury somehow makes you uh, more powerful. And Ghost being silent his whole life, but his eyes open, 
I don't know. This seems to be something there. Yeah, that could totally. Uh, so I was just thinking that maybe that I don't want to say Ghost of Silence is like a plot device, but maybe he's been silent this entire time because we know. Well, a lot of people theorize that John is going to go into Ghost. Mm -hmm. So maybe the reason that we'll know that he's in Ghost is because Ghost won't be quiet anymore. He'll be loud. He'll be like acting out of character or maybe something like that. I think that's right on the money. I think um, it's kind of like um, he set it up all this time. What will happen when he howls for the first time? I think definitely the um, the idea that John is in Ghost and trying to like yell for help, maybe. Yeah. Would, would be the signal for the reader which would also tell you that if if that's what happens then um somebody else has to see that happening i guess it would be through melisandre's pov because mm-hmm. that's the only which, one left at the wall and she has a relationship with ghost she so does make sense yeah the, i think the 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 silence has to be broken at some point it's a um you know it's uh what's, what's the term the Chekhov's gun Wolf's, I mean, the ghost Chekhov's gun is that he is silent. You know, he will be, he will not be at some point and will probably be interesting. Um, oh, got a, uh, another super chat here from DM Collins. Is the language about ghosts being silent similar to the language of how the others move silently? P.S. The others were, uh, rode dead direwolves during the long night. Um, well, the, the others are silent in how they walk, but they aren't silent. They can talk. They have that, um, that ice cracking language they use, which is called scraw, I think. Yeah, scraw. But it's it it's is not a communication that you would understand as a human. Yeah. It also kind of reinforces the idea that a ghost is maybe a psychic. The idea of a character who is silent but uses their mind to talk is an idea that George has uh, developed in a lot of his other stories that like um, different species can't communicate because one's psychic and humans are verbal. And eventually, once you learn to communicate them through the mind, then you're finally able to understand them. That kind of thing. Yeah. I mean, that that's, that's what I think. Like, I'm really hoping <laughs> for a scene with Bran where he's in the Weirwood communicating in Scra. I'll, I'll Scra. die. I'll die. That'd be amazing. Uh, another super chat, man. You guys are doing good with the super chats today. Uh, from Aaron M with her 1999 as always. Uh, one of my patrons, Aaron. Um, she says, "I have to bail, but this has been amazing. Great topic, great casters, great stream. Can't wait, can't wait to watch the rest later." Well, thank you so much, Aaron. Those are very kind words. Also for great too. Oh, thanks. <laughs> <laughs> thank you, and have a good day. Yeah, I'll see you later, Aaron. Um, so. I think I think we could probably go into we have a lot of questions for this one. Um, I asked my patrons, I asked YouTube, I asked Twitter for questions, and you guys delivered. So I figured maybe we'd just spend the last forty five minutes just just going through these because Ghost is so strange um, and so interesting. Oh, and everyone uh, loves them. There's one thing I wanted to talk about really briefly first, though I forgot about this, and that is. The idea that I was talking about that I think that ghosts can understand human language. Um, mm-hmm. There's a there's a really strange. I keep saying that word. There's a really strange sequence with John and Corn Halfhand and Ghost, where after um, when they're in the Frostfangs, 
it's almost seems like ghosts can definitely understand what's being said because there's a moment where after john after ghost gets injured by oral's eagle he's sitting there licking his wounds kind of like yuki today um and corn asks john if ghost can travel and john doesn't say anything ghost gets up as if to say yes i can travel and it's like what the hell was that <laughs> i mean i definitely think he can understand the com like if he is if we're, if we're saying that he is this magical um being that can access this specific plane that only green seers can access and he's doing all of these things independently then of course he can understand the common tongue i would think it is definitely i don't think that's a lot of that's something that a lot of people tune into like when you actually look back and listen to like this is something i i always love doing when i read back john chapters and i read ghost like a human imagine him like um what's his name what's what's the name of the um king's justice um illin illin Payne. imagine him like illin Payne. imagine he can't talk imagine he's a person and then try and understand what he's doing and that's one of those moments where it's like well how did illin Payne know to stand up when corin halfhand said is can he travel well it's because he understands the common tongue so ghost must too right because there's yeah there's no body language there yeah i think he understands it clearly we know he understands commands and stuff so it's more than that it's it's context in sentences and knows how to answer that's very different than just like sit yeah yeah then sit and stay yeah totally but i mean he can pick up on like what what i was saying with Tyrion. and like he can pick up on emotions Mm -hmm. and uh i don't i don't know what's the word um empathetic yeah empathetic he's empathetic like he can pick up on these things and feel these things so deeply so i would totally think that he can understand the common tongue understanding the common tongue is a lot easier than understanding the songs the singers sing (laughs) yeah true (laughs) and i bet he knows that too it just shows his his incredible intelligence if he's able to do that um before I get to my next point about that, we got another super chat here from your last great night. Another $5. Thank you very much. Uh, do you think Ghost is signed because John hasn't found his true self? So once he finds out who he is, Ghost will finally howl. That's an interesting idea. If yeah. John finds out about RLJ, Ghost will finally speak. Ooh, I like that. That's Ghost a cool idea. Like, Ghost is like a monk swearing himself to silence until John discovers who he is. Hmm. I never thought about that, but that's a really cool idea. I would like to see that. Well, if he comes back from the dead and he's in ghosts and he howls, then a lot of people think that there will be some kind of merging of their personalities. So if if he uses ghosts to find out RLJ, that would be very interesting. Um, and the other the other point I want to make about corn and ghost is there's the scene where John is told he has to kill Corrin Halfhand to prove that he wants to essentially desert. Uh, he has to prove his his loyalty to the wildlings. And Corrin and John essentially go over the plan ahead of time, which Ghost being a, a wolf shouldn't be able to understand. But when the mm-hmm. scene happens, Ghost plays along. We know that Ghost knows how to kill people. When he attacks the white, he goes for the throat and he goes for the stomach. He tries to essentially disembowel and rip out it. The white's throat but with corin when john's fighting him instead ghost just sort of jumps on his back a little bit and bites his leg 
which lets John do the killing blow. That is totally against Ghost's previous behavior. And it, again, it seems to hint that he understood what Corrin was saying and is playing along to make sure they live. I think all of this is like screaming second life. Mm-hmm. It's, a sec- it's a second life that, that Ghost is more than just a direwolf. And actually, there's a person, a soul in there. And somebody in the chat said, Ghost is Mufasa <laughs> and, and John is Simba. Oh. So Ghost is Rhaegar. Is that what you're saying? Interesting. Yeah. Well, he has I the mean, coloring. That would be interesting. He definitely has the coloring. The uh, long Valyrian white hair with the, well, Gregor had purple eyes, but he wore a lot of crimson, uh, a lot of crimson. So, you know, that and could a work. lot of uh, rubies. Yeah, rubies. If there are any quotes that describe ghost eyes as rubies, I will die. I know, I know they're called, oh wait, Melisandre's are called rubies and red stars. I'm not sure about John's. Chat, what do you think? You guys remember any quotes about that? Post them, we'll pick them up. Um... Yeah, the the idea that John being, I mean, that Ghost being a second life, maybe all the direwolves being second lives of like heroes or something like that would be super interesting. Very interesting. Oh God, if the other direwolves, if Ghost is Rhaegar and the other direwolves are like Kingsguard, I would, <laughs> I would die. I would die. That'd be crazy. But, but I really think that, um, I think the evidence is there for them to. There is some connection that we're supposed to make between the direwolves and the children of the forest. And mm-hmm. it's done with the eye color quote. The, um, I think you have the quote. Um, yes. Let's see here. It's, um, it's from blood Raven. He says, in a sense, those who call the children of the forest have eyes as golden as the sun, but once in a great while, one is born amongst them with eyes as red as blood or green as the moss on a tree in the heart of a forest. By these signs, do the gods mark that they have chosen to receive the gift the chosen ones are not robust and their quick years upon the earth are few for every song must have its balance but once inside the wood they linger long indeed a thousand eyes a hundred skins wisdom deep as the roots of ancient trees green seers that sounds like it describes ghost yeah and not only ghost but like um the other direwolves have so lady nymeria gray wind and summer all have golden eyes golden as the sun Mm -hmm. and then we have shaggy dog who has green eyes Mm -hmm. and then ghost has the red eyes so every single children of the forest that he's described has the eye colors as the direwolves very curious um super chat here from uh ross tremblay um five australian dollars i think that is if ghost is so smart why don't we see brand of a more conversational relationship with summer um well summer the relationship between John and Ghost is very different from the rest of the children. Bran uh, very quickly goes from uh, riding along with Summer to being the dominant personality. Uh, Nymeria and Arya are are sort of separate in a, in their own way. Letty dies too soon. Um, it seems like Rob was also the dominant personality with Greywind, but Ghost is either on equal footing with John. Or kind of seems to be the more dominant of the two. Like he leads John around. He when when it's on the wolf dreams, it doesn't seem like it's John telling Ghost to what to do. It seems like he's along for the ride. And it kind of matches the fact that John has not really accepted what he is yet. Yeah. And also like to add to that, Summer 
isn't like so in the relationship between John and Ghost is that John is or Summer is the ma- Jesus <laughs> Ghost is the magical one mm-hmm. that that John has and in the relationship between Bran and Summer Bran is the magical one not Summer yeah Bran doesn't have the red or Summer doesn't have the red eyes and the the uh or the green eyes he has golden eyes he's he's the same he's not marked as one with the gift so anything that's magical that you see happening with summer is brand doing it mm-hmm. where with john and ghost it's ghost doing it Ghost, yeah ghost seems to be in control like an inversion of that relationship Somebody said, well, obviously Ghost is in charge because John knows nothing. Yeah, I mean, I mean, that works especially well with Ghost, where while John knows nothing, it seems like Ghost knows everything. And we we don't know, like, maybe Ghost did try to communicate with Bran. We don't know how John ended up communicating with Bran on this uh, magical plane mm-hmm. with the tree talking and all of that. Like, we don't know what the what the rules were or how it happened. Like, we don't know. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I think uh, we'll, we'll take some, uh, some questions I gathered from early on. Uh, Crow Food's daughter, Amanda from Disputed Lands. I think she's watching right now. Hey, Amanda. Uh, she left a lot of really good questions. So uh, we'll do some of these and work in some other ones from the chat and other ones I gathered. But her first one is something we talked about earlier. What are your thoughts on ghosts taking a liking to Melisandre? What, what happened there? In your mind, um, I think like we're we're talking about ghosts being smart and knowledgeable, and the idea of Melisandre is before you get her POV is like you don't really. Oh, I always thought she was like this a, a villain. Like that's what she felt like to me. But like she's creating shadow babies to kill people and she's telling Stannis like he's Azor High and she's burning people and for ghosts to take a liking to her, I think it's supposed to show us that she's not bad. She's <laughs> not a bad person. She's, whatever she's doing is ultimately going to further the goal that ghost has like it, they're fighting on the same side or it could be that ghost is aware that melisandre will help out john in the future yeah or basically, something like that basically that's what i meant i have the full quote here i pulled it um so i i can't do this but it says essentially melisandre says ghost melisandre made the word a song the direwolf padded toward her Wary, he stalked about her in a circle, sniffing. When she held out her hand, he smelled that too, and he shoved his nose against her fingers. I've actually taken the other way on this, and that um, Melisandre, because she's known for having like powders and like weird stuff hidden in her dress, like that's something she talks about. That like there's secret pockets all over the place. I'm wondering if she essentially had something that smelled really good on her fingers, and Ghost was like, "Oh, that smells really good," and they just like shoved his nose into her hand to get a good whiff of it. Um, I mean, she's good at it. She's good at doing that kind of stuff. It's something that works. I I think it depends on the smell. Maybe. I mean, that's one way you can get a dog to like you if you have like a treat in in between your fingers. 
He's not a dog, though. He's so much more than a dog. But even dog, even a very smart dog likes treats. Uh, true. <laughs> I mean, I, I get it, but I've always... I, I don't know why she likes Ghost, because Ghost is so... And Ghost is so uh, tied into the weirwoods and basically the things that she's afraid of. So I could see, well, maybe she would have some powder on her hand. Yeah, since, I mean, she's, afraid, since she's afraid of um, the the weirwoods and the old gods. Yeah, maybe she just has like, uh, maybe she has like, I don't know, like some bacon grease on her fingers or something like that. And Ghost is like, oh, sweet. Yeah, I mean, totally could be. I just always equated it to like, okay, well, maybe there's more to, there's more to Melisandre than what, there's more depth to her to where she's not exactly who we thought she was. Mm-hmm. Because after that interaction, I kind of started to look at her different. I still think she's a villain, but, you know, she's at least well-meaning. Oh, of course. You can be well-meaning and still be a villain. People alive for no reason could be considered a villain. That's true. Um, Let's see here. Oh, a super chat here from Thunderclap. Um, Scytherism. The sound of the wind rustling of leaves. Is that a real thing? If so, I just learned a new vocabulary word. What happened? Um, they said, uh, scythe, it's super chat says a uh, scytherism and then colon, the sound of wind rustling of leaves. Is that the hmm. name for that? If it is, it's cool. That is cool. Um, let's see here. Another question here from, uh, Eric F, one of my patrons. He says, what's up? What's Ghost up to in the immediate chaos at the wall with 1-1 one, one, and whatever the next stage of the mutiny is? How soon before Ghost starts attacking mutineers? That's a really good question. Yeah, I mean, all of this is, like, is John and Ghost at this point? Like, how? Yeah. Like, is this going to be like uh, Rob with Greywind, where most people assume Rob warged into Greywind as a second life and then Greywind tried to kill everybody? Will that be Ghost too? <laughs> Yeah, so the the other day on my Discord, we were talking about, um, you know, what's taking Winds of Winter so long, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> but we were, I was wondering, like, is it possible that what's taking, one thing that is taking so, taking George so long is kind of like a mirror knees knot thing, mm-hmm. where how do you tell John's resurrection? Like, whose point of view do you tell that from? Do you tell that from? Melisandre and then they were saying um in the discord that possibly we get a chapter from ghost mm. it could be so do you think like the mutiny and the mutineers and all that could be in a chapter from ghost and will it look like that chapter that Bran was like summer was saying there's a dragon in Winterfell mm-hmm. and these rock like like a real where you don't really you you see what's like you get it but it's kind of like it doesn't really make it's not clear yeah it's understanding the world from a wolf's perspective without the vocabulary to express what they're seeing yeah um so there's always been one thing that's been brought up where will john get a pov when he comes back from the dead because he's definitely coming back from the dead um it's that george has not given his resurrected characters aka lady stoneheart a return to their pov and that seems to be some kind of 
maybe an idea that they are changed or they are something different now. Uh, yeah. But then other people point out that maybe there's a loophole that like, like if he's alive and ghost and then that's his second life and then return to his body, did he ever really die? So in that sense, like could, could that be the way? It, I don't know. It's, it's, it will definitely be Melisandre's POV. She's the only one left at the wall um, at this point because Sam has gone. So right, and I wonder, like with Melisandre's POV, like would her doing this actual ritual, like would that give away too much, like uh, on the met towards the magic of things? Like mm. would that give away too much magically? Because I know he's stayed away from characters that could give away things magically. And I know she's already had a POV, which was a a lot was revealed in her mm-hmm. POV. So like, I wondered her performing a ritual like this with in her POV. Does that give away too much? Only if she understands what she's doing. And I don't think she does. Uh, she, <laughs> unlike in the show, she did not meet Thoros and she does not know about the whole, that resurrection is working thing at the moment. Um, they that interaction never happened so if Melisandre tries anything maybe it would be like sort of an experiment so maybe that would be how you get around the too much information thing she's definitely had some foreshadowing of it though because when she sees John she's like he first he was a wolf then a man then a wolf again or a man then a wolf then a man again Mm -hmm. so I definitely think that's probably some foreshadowing there for that definitely but I would love for John to actually be in Ghost and attack the mutineers. That'd be super interesting. I had a uh, a live stream a while back with a bookshelf stud in uh, San Rexian, where we were talking about, um, in particular, the idea of John um, coming back as a vengeful character and going on a uh, a um, a massacre at the Night Fort idea. Um, mm-hmm. which I think would be super interesting, but it, the massacre could happen within Ghost. Like the same idea works whether it's at Castle Black or the Night Fort, because it seems like the mutineers are going to run to the Night Fort. And that would kind of be like a, it would kind of be like a callback to the Night Fort, like the Mad Axe. Yeah, but also to the the uh, the Thirteenth Lord Commander. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Uh, and that would be. Like, if that is the case, then what does that mean? Like, I don't know. It's it's, it's a good question. It's a way of tying together all these myths into one event because they all seem to f- focus around the night fort and a Lord Commander or a brother killing their other brothers in these weird and, magical ways. It's like, why not, John? Yeah. And then it could also like serve that purpose but it could also serve another purpose is to say well hey you really don't know what happened at the night fort no nope. <laughs> actually what happened at the night fort was justified so yeah it, it also kind of does that that's true uh so we got two super chats here uh twenty dollars from uh ms vita uh no message thank you very much miss vita and another one from uh ross tremblay um 10 australian dollars i think in vermeer and brand's warging moments it seems like they are riding shotgun they get to inject thoughts about the animals may not necessarily know does that mean uh ghost isn't going to listen um this is actually something i've i've considered but not in the way that you're saying in this question i've wondered if john is getting information from ghost in the same way like, how is their relationship 
does it go both ways? If John's a, if Ghost is a green seer too, or is a green seer, could he not implant thoughts in John's head? Oh yeah, that's true. I I think that. So I'm sorry, my mind's going a mile a minute here because <laughs> I'm just thinking like, if Ghost, okay, so. Ghost is at the wall. John calls ghost. Ghost is the last thing that John says. Mm-hmm. And like with Summer and Bran, like the more time that su- that Bran spends in Summer, the more wolf-like he becomes. Mm-hmm. And the more he becomes Summer and the less he is Bran. So instead of like John coming back more vicious, like ghost what if he comes back more intelligent like ghost <laughs> that'd be nice <laughs> john like knows more, something <laughs> you know what i mean like more yeah more in tuned with what's going on i think that's that's definitely a possibility the merging of their personalities the 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 blending of second lives is super fascinating to me in terms of how george is going to use it it could go yeah. either way I'm I just want once of winter so bad <laughs> who doesn't um, and also to answer Ross's question real quickly does this mean ghost isn't going to listen I would guess if they do merge and there's a POV with ghost and John that John has very little control and that he's if he does how in order to let people know he's in there it will be like against ghost as well because <laughs> ghost like staying yeah. silent yeah but also like does John have like the experience to control ghosts? Because no, Br- Brand's been warging Summer for a long time, mm-hmm. and I-, I would say that Summer controls Brand more than Brand controls Summer. Um, at first, at first, yeah. So John's a, a novice when it comes to warging. So I think that ghosts' uh will could outplay john's but at the same time is ghost that kind of wolf where he's gonna be like i don't think so he's an obedient he's an obedient um wolf <laughs> he's an obedient companion to john yeah that's true uh let's see your question here from uh, ned johnson one of my patrons um do you think ghost and summer of aware are aware of each other beyond the wall if so shouldn't john be aware of bran or is it that john doesn't warg on purpose like bran does that he's not aware um so this is this is something very interesting like i was talking about earlier with how the dire wolves can sense each other it seems that ghost does know things that john doesn't consciously and um it's it's interesting that john after seeing these visions where he knows that ghosts can sense the other siblings and that in his head he counts how many there are he at one point he says uh something on the lines of there are five when there should be six meaning he knows lady is dead also implies that he knows summer and shaggy dog are alive and we we definitely see him look through shaggy dog's eyes but john has not made that connection that wait is that shaggy dog wait does that mean rickon's alive it hasn't occurred Mm -hmm. to him yeah no it hasn't so there's definitely things ghost knows and is aware of that um john i don't know if he's not taking him seriously or just maybe he's just too busy being lord commander to really sit down and think about like wait what happened there yeah john has a lot going on (laughs) oh yeah gray wind's also dead correct guilty undertaker 
I think they know, but they know he knows about Grey Wind too, right? Yeah, he knows that Lady and uh, Grey Wind are dead. Mm-hmm. And Summer and Shaggy knew mm-hmm. when they brought Lady's bones back to Winterfell, they knew what it was. Yeah. And they knew, I think they knew when she died. Like, weren't they howling? Yeah, um, I believe. Actually, I don't remember clearly, so I don't want to say one way or the other, but I think they did howl when Lady died. Again, re- playing into this idea that there seems to be a magical connection between the direwolves that are separate from the kids. Yeah. Um, let's see here. Uh, let's grab another question. Uh, this one's from uh, Maester Mary uh, of the Learned Hands podcast, one of my patrons as well. Um, she says, my favorite ghost moment is how Ghost Return leads John to reject Stannis' offer of Winterfell. Did Ghost know what he was doing? And is Ghost Weirwood coloring largely symbolic or is there a magical significance to it? We, we addressed the second part, but what do you think about the first part? How much intention does Ghost have in manipulating John, do you think? Um, I would say I don't think it's manipulation. I think it's like what you said. He's remind like he's a reminder of kind of who John is. So and I also think that the white wolf returning when he's been being told to make a start, I'm I'll make you a Stark mm-hmm. and I'll make you Lord of Winterfell. The the white wolf returning is symbolizing like, hey, remember who you are. You're you're not a Stark, you're a bastard. Mm-hmm. You're you're Jon Snow, the Lord you're, Commander of the Night's Watch, and you're different like the me. Night's Watch needs you. It's also, I, I don't think it's manipulative. It is something to think about, though, especially because uh, we talked about how how Ghost seems to warm up to Melisandre. He loves Val. He and Val are like best bros, and it's in the scene. Um, well, it's it's John. It's Ghost returning, but it's also returning with Val. And John also thinks like, oh, she has coloring like Ghost, like the Weirwoods. She's wearing the Weirwood brooch with the face on it. Her te- uh, her cheeks are flushed red, and he makes the connection between the Weirwoods, Val, and Ghost, and that Ghost seems very at home with her and among the Weirwoods. And even if it's not intentional. That's something very interesting to think about. That Ghost is. Like we were talking about earlier, how he seems to be like a lie detector. He seems to yeah. think Val is awesome. <laughs> yeah, he does. He does like Val um, or love Val. But I mean, I also think that Ghost might be uh, trying to lead John that way. He could be. Like, hey, bro, you see this girl over here? <laughs> <laughs> isn't she isn't she beautiful? Look, we could go with her and we could run beyond the wall. That's that's what and, Ghost Love is doing. Live, yeah, and live the rest of our days with Val. Like I totally would like that ending. John North of the Wall with Val and Ghost. Or John in Ghost <gasps> with Val. That could definitely happen. Val could notice. She seems tuned into the old gods pretty well, and she seems fond of Ghost. Maybe she would notice that Ghost is acting unusual. Do you think that Ghost could contact Bran? Definitely. He already can. No, I'm saying for resurrection purposes. Yeah, I think I think that's on the table that um, that the connection that was previously established between Ghost and Bran as a weirwood could be revisited. Uh, I would love to see that. Like, I would love to see 
John's resurrection from Bran's POV. But then Bran, but Bran has to get to the wall. <laughs> That's true. Uh, this is also one thing. Briefly, going to talk about season eight. The the John with ghosts going beyond the wall to live free and um, away from being a king sort of figure is the kind of future ghosts would want for John because that's what he loves doing. Very much the return, his return to ghosts, the the famous floofing of ghosts and them running, riding off together. Wolf, I mean, a ghost would not want to be a king. He would not want to be in King's Landing. He would not want to be on John's side as he sat on the throne all the time. He's clearly a a wild creature that loves, you know, running amongst the trees and going to the weirwoods and hunting. He doesn't want that life. Oh, yeah. But and and then you also get like, so, honey, <laughs> oh, I didn't like, I didn't like season eight. No shit. <laughs> yeah, you know, everybody. <laughs> but I, I did like John's ending mm-hmm. a little bit. I didn't I didn't think I thought it was stupid like okay. oh we're going to send you to the night's watch like that was dumb. Okay. Like cuz why is there a night's watch? But I did like the idea of John going as kind of like a king beyond the wall, mm-hmm. like a Mance Raider type of character. I did like that because whether he is really king beyond the wall. Yeah. Technically, like literally, he is king beyond the wall, mm-hmm. and to lit to be able to like after everything that he's been through, um, go live free in the north and never be judged for being a bastard, and like I, I, I don't know, like I, I, it's a happy ending for him. It's the ending ghost would want. That's the main point. <laughs> and I was just glad that ghost was alive. Yes. Like, out of everything, Ghost being alive. If they had killed Ghost, I'd have been at HBO. That'd have been the last straw. <laughs> well, there is there are people that think that Ghost will die in order to retrieve John's soul. Lies. Well, it is a possibility. Um, the idea of the second life means one soul leaving a body, and the way we've seen souls leave bodies so far is the body dying, like Varamir. So it's on the table. I don't think it will. But it's definitely something to think about, unfortunately. Mm. I know. I don't want Ghost to die either. He's the best boy. I will riot. <laughs> uh, no, I d- I, I'm sorry. Oh, Go ahead. I was just going to say, there's a, a question from the chat. Rhonda C. Do you think John will come back with white hair and purple eyes? Um, not purple eyes, but uh, there are people that have speculated in the past that much like Theon uh, essentially going white with age early on in his life that maybe john will come back with white hair and i don't know how his eyes would turn red but there definitely could be some physical effects to his resurrection and being in ghost so he's gonna come back john the white yeah like gandalf, gandalf the white <laughs> he comes back with a with a Rhaegar wig no god don't <laughs> do it. they put the wig on his head and he comes back to life no uh that's a no for me that's a no fan i think i think he's just gonna come back john but with some aspects of ghost yeah he's gonna be more of like a wolfy man uh whatever personality traits he takes on as ghost mm -hmm. i think it's gonna be kind of of similar to that it'd be kind of funny though if he did come back looking like blood raven Uh, some one of the commenters said that barrack's hair had gone white too yeah 
and Lady, so Stone, Lady Stoneheart. Lady Stoneheart, she physically changed with her resurrection too. So, I, I but John's resurrection seems to be, if it's through ghost and a second life return, it seems to be different. But maybe it's not that different. So you're thinking that like they have to expel him from ghost, kind of like what they did with the, uh, like uh, with the eagle. Um, yeah, it could be something like that because. Bran can leave his body whenever he feels like, and so can Varamir, but John has not learned how to do that. So to get him out will probably take something pulling or pushing him out of Ghost. Or Bran coaxing him out. Like, that's yeah. what I hope for. <laughs> it could be something like that. It's If John could leave on his own, I think he would. But there seems to be some sort of, either from Bran or Melisandre, there's going to be some sort of magical thing that has to happen for John to actually do it. Because I don't think he's going to be able to do it on his own. Like, Varamir is very aware of what he's about to do. He's like, okay, I'm going to die. I'm going to find my wolves. I'm going to pick which one, and that'll be my second life. John has no conception of that. Yeah. I mean, guys, this is why Wins the Winter is taking so long. Look <laughs> at, like, what George has to figure out. Like, he has to figure all this shit out. Yeah. And, and make it good. It's, it's, it's a hard question. How do you make that good? That's a tough situation. Um... Let's see here. Let's grab another question here from uh, from Amanda. Uh, she says, um, oh, actually, we talked about this. She talked about, um, will Ghost survive John's resurrection? I think probably Gray thinks yes, because she doesn't want to see Ghost die. Um, let's see here. Oh, we know uh, John's link to Ghost is broken at the wall. So from a standpoint, we can infer that the ward at the wall also affects skin changers. From Fire and Blood, we know the wall is also warded against dragons. And we also know the wall is warded against the others. Why do you think this magic at the wall was made as a ward against all three? If the magic ward was made as a response to the others, one would think dragons who could fight the others shouldn't be affected. If this magic ward was made by the children of the forest, it seems counterproductive to ward against their own skin changing magic. Yeah, that I think the these are great questions, Amanda. And it I, is it is a thing that John and Ghost are cut off when the walls behind between them. John can no longer feel Ghost. Yeah, I think that they warded. I think so. I think uh, all the magic is kind of the same. Mm -hmm. So they warded against magic in general. And all of them, like, there's instances where, like, all of the magic is is the same. So the children of the forest, they use fire and blood, too. They use blood sacrifice, and they use frozen fire, which is dragon glass. And then mm -hmm. the Valerians, they use uh, blood and fire. And Melisandre's magic is blood and fire. Like, all of the magic is the same. And I know you had talked to me before like privately, I don't know if I'm giving anything away on stuff you have upcoming about the fault line magic. Oh, yes, that is that is in the future. So I won't go too too far into that, but mm -hmm. the fault line magic. So basically, it's all one source. So to be able to block. Oh, no, no, I'm sorry. That's a past video. That was my um, brand as the weirwood. Oh, no, the um, are are the others gone? That was part of that video. The idea of. Um, oh, God, what are they called? They're called. Um, they're called like magical pools or something like that. I can't remember my own theory at this point. That's pretty I know good. It was like it was like lines, ley like lines, where, ley lines of magic. Yeah, yeah, ley lines. So I feel like if you have this one source of magic, you have to just generally 
block that that source and they're all using that source so it applies to all of them mm -hmm. uh, one thing that i find really interesting about amanda's question is that it does seem to block these things but there seems to be exceptions if blood raven's actually controlling mormon's raven then he is skin changing through the wall in addition the whites the, white. the whites yeah. reanimate through the wall so it seems to be there is some kind of magical ward, but maybe those in the know, like the others in Bloodraven, know at least some way to get around it. Yeah. Um, well, maybe it's uh, maybe it wasn't the Night King or someone that reanimated those others. What do you think? There's an other on the other side of the wall. No, maybe it was Bloodraven. Which raises more questions. How is he doing that? How is he reanimating a body through the wall when it seems like cold hands can't? Hmm. Good question. I, I, it's, I wonder if it's one of those things where George has a secret about it. Maybe something Bran will discover where there's a weakness in the wards that the children know in order to sneak their magic through. I mean, it sounds like right when it comes to the children. And there's, there's and, even and the... Maybe, I, oh, Black sorry, Gate. maybe it's the Black Gate. It could be. The Black Gate is definitely a... A, a secret back door through the wall and there's the idea of Gorn's way which is the you can pass under the wall through those cave systems so I don't think it's a total barrier right so if there is a secret passage through the gate then that's already foreshadowing that there's probably some secret magical weakness in the wall yeah definitely I think that's I think that's the answer to that one <laughs> and the green the, the last green seer knows about it he definitely does. If he's controlling that raven, he has to know how to beat it. But I doubt the others would know about it. Maybe they were experimenting. Or maybe because they weren't reanimated yet. Well, they had the blue eyes already. It seems like they were just lying in wait. Hmm. It could be and they knew exactly where to go. They did. And they knew how to target. So yeah. that could have been Blood Raven. It could have been something like um there's an idea, I think, with vampires where it, they can't come in and there, there's some sort of weakness where they can't enter oh. a house where unless you're invited in. But if you invite them in, then they can do it. So maybe yeah. it's something like that. And we know George loves vampires. He does love vampires. Uh, let's see. Another question from Eric F. Um, what's Ghost doing the, during the resurrection ritual? Assuming Ghost is a soul jar. Is he a spent husk once Jon Snow returns to his body? Oh um, my god. This again. And yeah, uh, would Ghost just like sit there and be like, all right, Melisandre, go ahead. It's like, it is a real question of, let's say Jon is in Ghost and he's going on a rampage. How do you even get him to sit still long enough to go through whatever a resurrection is to try and get Jon's body? Like, I don't even know. Melisandre's not aware of these resurrection stuff that's going on with Thoros and Beric. Um, so... Even getting the knowledge of how to do it is something I question. Yeah, I, I feel like there may be some kind of brand interference. Um, but I do think that if Ghost, like all this time, Ghost has been trying to lead John to something. Mm -hmm. Like the, Ghost knows the end game for John. Like Ghost knows what they're, they're, they're fighting some kind of war against, like, uh, some ma a magical war and it's kind of like what Quaith tells Daenerys like the dragons know do you 
So like Ghost knows, <laughs> mm-hmm. John doesn't. But if go if like they want to get go- John out of Ghost's body, and I don't think this is gonna happen. But if that means that Ghost has to die, I feel like he will willingly die. He will willingly like let sit there, take over John completely take over John because he's a green seer he's very magical and intelligent he knows how to do it and let Melisandre do what she's got to do mm-hmm. if it's Melisandre yeah it's um there's also the idea that when we I read that quote earlier about how the green seers don't have long lives especially yeah. those with the green and the red eyes well maybe it's the same thing that ghost ghost life will not last very long which would be sad because Ghost is the best boy, and I don't want him to. Well, he's outlasted. He's outlasted a lot of other, a lot of his siblings. Yeah. Well, Grey Wind and Lady, he's outlasted them. Yeah. I I feel like when their direwolves die, so do they. Oh, interesting. Like, I feel like I know, like you guys know. I know a lot of people don't like me for saying it, that I think Sansa is going to die because Lady died. I think they have like these parallel lives. Um, so I think if Ghost dies, then a part of John dies too. And like the best parts of him. Mm. And we're be. left with John being like Alistair Thorne. Oh, John, a broken man. Yeah. It could be losing half of his soul. He lost part of his soul with Egret. Mm-hmm. Oh, poor guy. Um, and then he has to go through whatever he's going to go through with Daenerys. Yeah, John's going to have his soul ripped out by the end of the series, like, figuratively. <laughs> no matter what, this is not a happy story for him. Unfortunately. Sadly. Uh, so, question here I got from YouTube. Uh, we only have a few minutes left, so um, if you guys have any questions, last minute ones, quick ones we can do, throw them in the chat, uh, tag me. Um, and we'll see if we can get them. But this one first from Josh Kramer. Why is Ghost so cute? I don't know, but because of Ghost, I got a a white dog that's really fluffy. Okay, so let's explore this. You think <laughs> Yuki's really cute? Why? What do you find cute about Yuki? And we'll use that to explain Ghost. That she looks like Ghost. <laughs> <laughs> it is just that she looks. Like- <laughs> no, I'm kidding. No, um. I don't know. It's the fluffy fur. It's more her personality than actually what she looks like. Mm-hmm. But her looking like Ghost was totally a, a positive. It's true. I also think it's that it's Ghost is a big white fluffy cloud, and there's something very soothing about the idea. Like if you look, I look at Samoyeds and like Great Pyrenees, and I'm like, I just want to give you guys the biggest hugs in the world. And Ghost <laughs> kind of seems like that, but he's super standoffish. It's like he doesn't want that hug, but you want to give it to him anyway. Yeah. I mean, uh, that's why he's so cute. He is so cute. Yeah, all the wolves are so cute. All of them. I have a. I particularly love right Nymeria, even though she's vicious. Look at this little guy. Mm. Ghost oh, is. He's, sm- he's smiling. Mm. I get to give him the hug. I love Ghost. Um, Ghost is my favorite direwolf. Um, one of my favorite characters, too. I, I count him as a full character. Yeah, he's super interesting. A question here from Guilty Undertaker. He's been saying it a lot um, and I've I've been avoiding it because I don't actually know it that well. It's uh, could Ghost Silence be reference to Huan the Hound in Tolkien's um, Legendarium who could only speak three times. Um, This is one of those things that I I don't I don't 
know it that well, but I like the idea that George would be calling back to Tolkien in some way with Ghost. That seems like when Ghost and the Direwolves are so integral to a story that he would be reaching back to other stories in order to um, to pull examples. Mm-hmm. I mean, I, I have no idea. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I have no idea. I'm not like well-versed in Tolkien. But George is, so it could be. I definitely could be. He loves Tolkien. Lo- Tolkien all over the place in the story. So good catch for, for you Tolkien nerds, um, if you know what he's talking about. Um, okay, let's see what else we got in the chat. Just a few minutes left. Um, Dornish Dame says, do you think the other wolves will sense John and Ghost? That's actually a really good point. Um, so we know, I don't, we haven't. We've seen from Summer. Summer can do the same thing as Ghost, where he can see the other uh, the other wolves. So it'd be super interesting if um, we see from Bran's perspective, maybe while he's warging Summer, all of a sudden Summer has the inclination that there's something weird going on with Ghost, and that's how Bran gets keyed into this. Um. Yeah. So, what are we saying here that that the wolves would pick up? That, that John is, a, John has second life into ghost. I uh, totally, I feel like there is something foreshadowed to happen between Bran and ghost. Mm-hmm. It happened like from the dream. And there's something that's going to happen there. Whether it be Bran and ghost, Summer and ghost, John and Bran, something's going to happen. And that, and though, and with those, between those four, mm-hmm gonna happen and it's been foreshadowed so if anybody is gonna know it i feel like it would be bran yeah bran Bran. definitely seems the one to it'd be interesting oh if aria picked up on it if she was uh if she was wolf dreaming nymeria and nymeria became aware of john and ghost oh that would be awesome uh, aria is a powerful super powerful as as not as powerful as Bran in terms of a green seer, but she's Arya uh, like three skins at this point. She yeah, can, she can warg other animals at will, and or skin she, change. Uh, like, doesn't Summer? Do, can Bran always connect with Summer? Has he hasn't he lost Summer before? Um, I don't remember. I think I he, know, he can always yeah. find Summer. I think. I know for sure John has lost Ghost. Arya hasn't lost Nymeria. And she's like in an, on another continent. There's a whole body of ocean between yeah. them. So, Brandon, Brandon, some are interesting possibility, but I definitely like the idea of Arya and Nymeria. That'd be a cool way for George to reintegrate Arya's story into the North. Yeah, a lot cooler than. <laughs> Never mind. Gray's about to talk shit about uh, Game of Thrones again, as as is tradition at this point. <laughs> i'm sorry guys it's okay you can feel the way you feel um i think that's about it i don't see oh i have honestly have a bunch more questions maybe i'll answer these on twitter or something like that uh you guys supplied tons of awesome questions about ghost um so yeah that's been about two-ish hours so uh gray why don't you go ahead and plug all the things what are you doing what's coming up all right, so um, my YouTube channel name is Gray Area. I am actually working on a video. I'm working on a couple videos right now. One is about the House of Black and White and its connections to uh, 
weirwood magic mm-hmm. and skin changing. Also, I'm working on a video uh, about Rickon, Rickon Stark and what he's going to be up to in Winds of Winter, what his story means, what his story is about, all that good stuff. Also, um, Obsidian Nights podcast every Wednesday. You can, um, it's a reread of A Song of Ice and Fire. You can check it out on iTunes, Podbean, Apple, or Apple is iTunes, my bad. (laughs) Spotify, wherever you listen to podcasts. Um, Yeah. Uh, Same stuff. And I'm on Twitter as great as at this great area. And I'm very thankful that you brought me on to talk about the good boy ghost. The best boy. The, the boy that deserves boy. all the floofs. All the floofs. Uh, yeah, and for me, um, you can uh, check me out if you're if you're watching this back on YouTube, um, you know, subscribe to the channel. You can also find these uploaded as podcasts on the you can find it under the wit and wisdom of Joe Magician. It's on all the platforms I can get it on. Um you can also, if you want to support me, you can support me at patreon.com slash showmagician, where you can get access to videos early. Uh, the people in the stream that are my patrons ha- were able to follow along with the doc as we were going. Um, sneak previews, uh, access to my patron slack, all that other kind of fun stuff. And um, coming up, so I just did a video about uh, House of the Dragon and George's progress on the Winds of Winter. So that went up yesterday if you want to go check that out. Uh, let me see if I can grab the link for you guys. Um, after that, what I have coming up is I'm going to be doing a, um, a patron-only episode about Meat House Man. <laughs> oh, God. Okay. Yep, that's the correct reaction to Meat House Man. Um, <laughs> And then after that, I'll be talking about the true identity of the Tattered Prince. Oh, uh, And it will be um, in line with the Brienne the Beauty and the Kago Corpse Killer videos where it's like the... where it's a five-year gap version of those characters. So it will be like, what? so the Tattered Prince is what he is in A Feast for Crows and Dance with Dragons. What did he start out as before the five-year gap? Because that seems to be something George is doing. Um, so that would be super interesting. I think I'm going to do another video along with that talking about um, what is the five-year gap because I keep explaining it in each video. I'm like, I think I'll just do a separate one where you can just like go watch this to understand what it is and what it came about as. Yeah, that's a good idea. Just like a, a Song of Ice of Fire or the basics or something like that or like the deep lore of how it got written. Anything. Anyway, uh, so again, thank you very much everyone that showed up. Uh, we got around 260 viewers at one point, I think. Um, 219 likes and a whole bunch of super chats. Appreciate all the support and you guys uh, took your afternoon with us. Uh, coming up in about an hour, Radio Westeros is going live talking about Brienne with Hugo Award winner Tana Ford. Tana Ford? I think it's Tana Ford. Um, check that out. Radio Westeros and uh, Tana are awesome. And I will see you on Tuesday for the Crusader Kings 2 stream and next Saturday, same time for another corn stream. Thanks, everybody. I'll see you later. <laughs>